Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I am joined today by Blake Boyer. She is a foster care social worker and TBRI practitioner. So thank you, Blake, for being with us. I'm glad to join. I'm excited. Thank you so much. So I came across your account on Instagram a while back and just felt like for a long time following you, you just have really great wisdom to share. Can you explain a little bit about like, what is the purpose of you showing up as a social worker on Instagram and kind of what you're hoping um, people will take away from your account? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I don't know. I can't remember when now I started the account, but I just noticed in the social media world that there was really no content for Christian social workers, which is very ironic because I feel like the majority of social workers I know would claim to be Christians or Christ followers. And the world of social work is very secular. Uh, It's very left-leaning politically. So there's not really a space for Christian social workers, you know, to kind of have a voice and things like that. I originally had started the account as a support to Christian foster parents because I have worked a lot with foster parents and which is very passionate about supporting them, providing them with good content. And over time, I really discovered that there's all these social workers out there that are Christians who are really seeking that support too and seeking advice and seeking just good content that, you know, from people with their worldview. So yeah, that's kind of the evolution of um, the Christian social worker account. Yeah, that's so interesting that you say that because I went to school for social work as well. I'm an LCSW. I, when I was halfway through grad school, I came home and I went to grad school and undergrad in the Midwest even. And my husband, I came home and I said, I don't know if I should be doing this anymore because of exactly what you said. Like, I was like, I don't feel like I fit in, in social work. Like as a Christian, Mm -hmm. I was like, I feel like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I feel like I should be doing something else or just like ministry. I don't feel like I have other, there's very few people in my like cohort of social work students that would identify as Christ followers. So it felt very isolating. Definitely. Um, so I understand the need on a personal Mm -hmm. level for sure. So what has kind of inspired you over, over the time that you've had the Christian social worker account to kind of keep posting social media can be a blessing and a curse at times. Um, anyone who's had an account for long enough, a public account for long enough can tell you that. And I can tell you that, um, what has inspired you to keep going despite that? You know, that's a great question. (laughs) I think just overwhelmingly, and this sounds really unique to Instagram, but I would say overwhelmingly, the DMs I get, the comments I get are positive. They're encouraging. They're really sparking really, really great conversations um, with people that follow me. And overwhelmingly, I'd have to say, like, 
I have walked away more encouraged than discouraged from uh, running the account, which I did not expect. Now, of course, there are, you know, I post sometimes uh, what I, the world would consider to be controversial and I can stir the pot sometimes, but even in that, you know, I've always told people that follow me, I am open to any kind of discussion as long as it's cordial and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just not mean <laughs> or mean spirited. Yep. Um, and I've had great <laughs> disagreeing conversations as well um, through the account, which I, I built me up and made me more empathetic towards people with differing worldviews. And so, and, and the other thing too, is I would say, I have not been afraid to just not be on it. <laughs> you know, there was a season where I just kept coming up with ideas. And so I would post every other day. Uh, but when the idea well has run dry, I just don't try. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's not, it's not a business for me or like an income stream or anything like that. So, you know, that doesn't really matter as much, but just being okay with, uh, not posting, not getting likes, not getting followers, you know, like, and that has been the best thing for me because at the end of the day, even if all my DMs were nasty and all my comments were mean, I, if I have the mental fortitude to just silence that app and turn it off and go about my day, then it's really no sweat off my back, you know, and that's kind of the approach that I've taken. Yeah. I love that so much. I have learned that lesson the hard way. I am. I honestly feel like God has used Instagram significantly in my life as I have stepped into the work of like a foster care informed therapist available to people. I definitely, you know, we, we don't always agree with people and that is completely the world. It's foster care. It's social work. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, Christianity, it's everything. And so I feel like, you know, my heart of hearts. I'm Enneagram too. Like I'm the people pleaser. I want to make everybody happy. Yes. And very clearly God has shown me very, very often, like that's just not going to happen. Like the only person that you should be focused on pleasing is me. And yeah. at the end of the day, like this, this app is like, does not give you your worth. It does not give you like significance or security or anything like that. So I am like, like hearing from people like you that feel the same way. Yes. For sure. Yeah. So I want to bring up something that you posted about a while back that I feel like may be a slight bit controversial to some people in the foster care world, because when I read it, I believe it was on your stories. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I agree with this wholeheartedly, but I haven't seen anyone else in Christian space or foster care space really talking about this. And what it was, was you were saying that like, because a lot of people say like, almost like adoption is plan B right? Mm -hmm. For kids in care, um, that like the first plan, the best plan is for them to be with their biological family. And I mean, there's so many, there's so much nuance to this conversation. So I want to own that first, but can you share a little bit about what you had posted um, and and why you posted it about how adoption is not plan B necessarily? I think, you know, what I was doing that day is drawing that correlation between earthly adoption and our heavenly adoption into the family of God, you know, when we come to Christ. And just like the analogy in scripture of the bride of Christ and Jesus, you know, with marriage, the earthly picture of that reality is flawed and limited, you know? So as I say this, I want people to also hear me say, 
you know, adoption is an earthly picture of a spiritual reality, but the earthly picture, of course, is flawed and limited and broken and has its limitations. But really what I was trying to say is that in for Christ followers, in a very real sense, you know, and I really posted it because I've seen a lot of negativity around adoption lately on the platform and a lot of adoptees talking negatively about adoption, which, you know, of course, like, again, earthly adoption can be full of sin and flawed. But my point was that, you know, Jesus going to the cross to purchase for us righteousness, to do that beautiful exchange where we get his righteousness and he takes all of our sin. I mean, that, that was the most, uh, that was the only unjust suffering Mm -hmm. that has ever happened in the world, right? Because Jesus was perfect and sinless. Whereas all the suffering we endure on earth is done to sinful people who deserve death and hell. You know, that's what we deserve apart from Christ. And, you know, Jesus going to the cross was God's plan A. It's not like, you know, Adam and Eve fell in the garden and God went, darn, I best, I guess I got to come up with another plan. You know, what am I going to do? No, like he knew it would be adoption from the beginning because the truth we all have to have an adoption we all we don't just belong to God automatically because we're born into sin Mm -hmm. and so what Jesus did is he purchases that adoption for us when we come to him so my point with that with you know the earthly picture of adoption is just that God is sovereign over Mm -hmm. your life you know he is sovereign so if you were adopted as a child that was plan a for you it's not Mm -hmm. like god messed up it's like oh you know a little johnny he went into foster care i guess i better come up with a new plan for his life you know no god is sovereign over all things and adoption for kids is something a lot of times that's completely out of their control but you can trust and know that it's in God's control. And even if it's a horrible adoption into a horrible adoptive family that mistreated you, it could be a worst case scenario. God can still use that suffering for his glory. He can still redeem it. He can still work it for your good and his glory. You know, there is still hope. And I love the way, um, Tori Hope Peterson, another great person to follow on Mm. Instagram. I love the way she talks about that with her story because she understands on a deep level that, you know, God had purpose for me in the suffering that I went through, you know? So yeah, that's kind of, did I summarize it well? Yes, you did. And actually so funny that you mentioned Tori, because I was, I was literally thinking of just about to say her name as an example of that too. Um, and I need to get her on the podcast sometime soon. I know she's a busy lady with a book just coming out, but I do just, I really echo that. I, I really admire the way that she shares that story. And I've had so many other, you know, former foster youth and adoptees on the podcast as well, who are, who share our faith and who have said the same thing. Like, I'm like, how do you, at the end of the day, deal with that? Like you believe in a good God, but your suffering was so real at such a young age. Like how do you put those together? And all of them have said exactly what you've said, that he uses it for his 
glory and my good. And therefore, like, you know, it's part of who I am. It's not his plan B. It was his plan A. And I, I welcome his plan A, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even, even as difficult yeah. as it is. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I that's think- not to say like in a, in a earthly, like policy sense, like, yes, adoption is like the plan B on the case plan sure. because we <laughs> want reunification first, you know, yeah. that's what we always want. But mm-hmm. the big point and the important point is even though we can't see that, you know, reunification isn't going to happen while we're working so hard for it. God knew, God knew. And he, he has the plan laid out and he's sovereign and he's in control. So that's exactly it. And so many times along my foster care journey, I literally, that's all that kept me hanging on was just that he was sovereign and he was in control when everything else looked out of control. And even as even post adoption for my son, I, there was, you know, seeing those things online, sometimes it's like so hard because Mm. there's there's so much nuance. Like I want to, you know, uphold and uplift adoptee voices and I want to learn from them. And I also, I'm like, well, I don't want to, I feel like shame now and guilt around adoption where I'm like, I know this was the plan for our family. I don't this. And it wasn't through our own desires that we even said, yes, we're going to foster and adopt. We were just, you know, that's just how it worked out in our family. That was all God. But I think that we need to take some of that, you know, guilt and shame out of the narrative too, for adoptive parents of like, and I also think a lot of fear, right. Exists when we start saying things or hearing a lot of things like, you know, well, this is just, their life is going to be less than now, like, because they were adopted. And it's like, gosh, can we just flip that script a little bit and take some of that, those like difficult, difficult emotions are out of something that's already kind of difficult. Right. Right. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know really quickly about some amazing free resources for foster mamas on my website, fearlessfostering.com. I have a self-care quiz that will help you decide exactly what type of self-care you need at this point on your foster care journey, as well as a virtual retreat for foster mamas and an anxiety reducing email course all for free. Check it out right now on fearlessfostering.com. So how do you yeah. talk to people in your line of work um, as a social worker, as a TBRI practitioner, how do you, you know, kind of share what, you, what is in your heart with people without, I know a lot of times we're not able to share our faith as well. Um, how do you show up to work and do that? You know, that can be um, a challenge. It really can. And I think what it has to come back to a lot of times for me is that, When I get overwhelmed by situations that families or kids are going through, I need to let it drive me to prayer Mm -hmm. and let it drive me back to these truths for myself. Because, you know, I can't control what everyone believes or how everyone, you know, takes a certain situation or interprets it. Um, But I can control you know, how I feel about it and how I give it to the Lord. And, you know, I've really had to, and this is why I think the truth that he is in control and sovereign over suffering is such an important truth for everybody. Like no matter what suffering you're going through, it doesn't have to be adoption, trauma, foster care, um, is just that it, I I'm reminded of that verse in Proverbs where it says he can turn the heart of the king like a river in his hand, you know, like 
nothing is too big or small for him and his attention. Like he nullifies the council of nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. Like Mm -hmm. the word of the Lord stands forever. I think that's what it comes down to for me personally as a Christian social worker is coming home every day and just trusting that, you know, God is going to work these things out, whether in this life or in the one to come. That's kind of where I have to live. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you. And just with that being said, are there specific ways that we can be praying for our social workers, our caseworkers, because sometimes I feel like, at least for me, I'm, I'm get kind of lost in like how to pray for them, especially if it's like a difficult relationship, which we've had amazing, awesome relationships with our social workers. And then we've had some that just haven't been as great. Um, what are some ways that we can be lifting up specifically our caseworkers in prayer? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. Gosh, <laughs> I just thought like, there's so many things I could say. I really just think praying for them personally, like not just as your caseworker, Mm -hmm. but as a person who has wants, needs, desires, worries, they have their own trials going on in their own homes. In addition to the trials that they're trying to help children and families face. And so, you know, I think this is just true of anybody, like when you pray for them, um, intentionally you see them more as a person Mm -hmm. and you begin to actually care for them and love them. That's why Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies (laughs) who persecute us because it can soften our heart towards them. But I've had foster parents that when I walked into their home, I was not just a caseworker to them. I was a sister in Christ or I was a person, (laughs) like just period. I was a person and the foster parents that saw me that way looked at me, not just as a person, but actually as like a ministry opportunity when I walked into their home, Mm -hmm. which usually the caseworkers are not viewed that way, right? (laughs) Because it can be so adversarial and you're here to give me answers and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, I've had a couple of foster parents almost bring me to tears by just asking me, how are you doing? Aren't you married? How's your husband? (laughs) You know, and it's not even necessarily that I don't always want to self-disclose a ton, but just the fact that you cared enough to ask me that Mm -hmm. just the fact that you're recognizing, like, I am more than this job, (laughs) you know, um, really was huge for me. Um, But yeah, just praying for their personal lives to be healthy and praying that God would give them wisdom in the decisions we have to make because Mm -hmm. Lord have mercy. (laughs) They're difficult. I mean, and, and the thing is like, I would get so frustrated because I would get different guidance throughout my career from different supervisors. But then I would, you know, as I started educating myself more, I'd read my own research. And then Mm -hmm. I got to the point where I was a little more confident and I would challenge my supervisor like, well, what about this attachment research or this trauma research? I think we should do it this way. And, you know, it's easy to feel guilt as a caseworker looking back on poor decisions that you made because you weren't experienced and you didn't have the whole picture, you know? So, 
but it's important that caseworkers are able and given the freedom by those around them to say, I made a mistake or I know better now. And when we know better, we do better. And that's what I'm trying to do. But if everything is always adversarial, right? (laughs) Then people are always going to be defensive and in fight, flight, or freeze. But there were, I mean, I was so thankful that I had many foster parents that really gave me the freedom to say, I made a mistake and Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And I'm going to try to do better next time. Oh, I love that. Just seeing them as people because they are, you are like you're human. You have your own. I know my social worker has two little girls and we talk about that often. And I'm like, this has to play. (laughs) This has to sometimes come home with you. This has to sometimes like be really difficult for you, you know, to, to shut off at night. So yeah, I appreciate that reminder a lot. Definitely. Oh, and I just love all the wisdom that you share. Um, and I want to make sure that people can connect with you and follow along with you online. So where can they do that? Right now, I'm pretty much just on the one social media platform. Maybe when I, you know, stop social working as much, I'll branch out. But Christian Social Worker on Instagram, um, you can follow me there. And hopefully I'll be <laughs> putting out more content here soon. But anyway. Well, we look forward to it. And thank you again for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on.